Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into today, so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fredo Cervantes. Fredo, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. How are you doing today? I am good. Uh, so let's uh, talk about the USC Trojans again. Big game last Saturday, since Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific kickoff, 10 in uh, 10 in Colorado. Uh, listen, it was really a tale of uh, two halves. And really, in the third quarter, they had the game wrapped up. They give up three straight touchdowns at the end. And it was a one-touchdown game when Colorado attempts the onside kick. They recover. But as you touched on in the Sporting Tribune, um, this defense, and we've talked about this defense all year. There was a lot of questions about them coming into the season. It looked like they had slightly improved. Uh, there's a lot of people who are concerned, Fredo. What were your thoughts about that game? I mean, the, overall, of course, USC took care of business. They walked away with the victory, but it was just a victory that you're kind of not too happy about, especially getting on that flight back to Los Angeles, looking at the defensive mistakes. Of course, you thought maybe, okay, we maybe had seen the worst defensive performance um, of the season in uh, Arizona State last week, but... This week, it just got a little worse. I mean, they, they missed a lot more tackles. Last previous week, they missed 14 tackles. And now this week, they missed, I believe it was 18 total tackles out there, which was, you know, that three-drive touchdown for Colorado in the second half just kind of showed you that it, there's just so much inconsistency. The first half looked pretty good. I mean, at one point, they were up, you know, 41 to 14, if I'm correct. And they were able to just kind of keep pushing the ball, keep pounding the ball, Bear Alexander, these other guys even Mason Cobb he had a tremendous game after um you know returning from his injury as well but the defense you know can they really compete with those other teams right now like Oregon and you know possible Michigan Georgia I don't think so right now but there's still a lot of room to improve there's still a lot more games in the regular season right now for them to kind of show especially with the upcoming games in October what have you seen, though? You know, you're at all the practices um, that leads you to believe that this team can improve. Again, one of the things that you touched on, Lincoln Riley said, uh, it, it's not the same mistakes or it's not the same problems. At the end of the day, the results, when I say the results, yes, they did win. But when I say the results, I'm talking about when you give up over 500 yards, when you give up over 40 points, um, that's the results that I'm talking about. What have you seen that leads you to believe that they can change, that they can uh, fix what's happening on the defensive side. I mean, what, what leads me to believe is that they have heart. 
they show that on the field. You don't see players take place off on the practice field. You see the coaches being on their players. If they make a mistake, they're on there. If it's even a teammate that's on there helping them out in whatever case it might be. But I can see that they, they are willing to learn. Of course, the coaches, even some of the players were talking about it after the game in Colorado. They're like, look, the, they're, the coaches are doing the best they can. They're putting us in the right spot. It's up to us, the players, to go ahead and not make the mistakes out there. And they they know, the players know it right now. We're making mistakes. But, again, it's there's five games into the season. They've, they're still undefeated, which is kind of uh, unbelievable with the way we're talking about the team and the defense. But the thing that's going to really help out this team in order for this team to win, which I still see the possibility – of this team going undefeated this year is going to be the offense. Right now, they got the number one uh, scoring offense. I think they're averaging about 53 points a game right now. And Caleb Williams is just out of this world. I mean, we keep seeing every single game. This guy is improving. I don't even know what his ceiling is right now because he's just that good. And we don't know what to expect from him in the upcoming games. You've touched on it, but I mean, it, it, it is hard to improve upon a Heisman Trophy winning season, but he has certainly done that this year. He is right now the favorite in Las Vegas to repeat as the Heisman Trophy winner, something that we have not seen since 1975. Um, how, how has he done it? How has he improved? And one of the great things that you touched on is he's finding different receivers, right? Like he, he's not targeting just one guy. What have you seen from Caleb and, and, and how is he? improved off of what was already a Heisman Trophy season. I mean, yeah, of course, you can look at the touchdowns, uh, you can look at the yards, and you can look at his accuracy. Um, the way he's moving the ball and the way he's getting all his teammates involved, and you got to give credit, of course, to the receiving core as well because they're the ones making the catches. Um, Zachariah Branch uh, get, getting those returns as well. Marshawn Lloyd, Brandon Rice. I touched on Brandon Rice as well. He's just he's an, he, he's pretty much one of the most consistent uh, ball catchers right now for this team. And looking at what Caleb Williams specifically if you if you compare him to the other schools and the other teams in the conference right now like North, North, like Washington uh Notre Dame and Colorado's he has the least amount of snaps compared to those other guys by at least 25 uh less snaps uh he has played a total of 262 snaps so far 16 quarters so far so the numbers he's putting are just um exceeding others with the amount of time that he's putting on the field which is just incredible so they return to the Coliseum, they play U of A, uh, should win that one, should win handily. And then really, Fredo really begins the meat of the schedule. And when I say the meat of the schedule, this will really define their season. Um, yeah. When they go on the road to South Bend to play Notre Dame, uh, then they they have uh, Utah, Washington, and they travel to Eugene. Um your thoughts on that stretch? Again, I think like even before this season when we've seen uh, how the, the team is performing, we said the season's going to come down to this stretch of games going up against these four top 10 teams. Um, what's your confidence level in terms of, the, again, I think we all agree that they're going to score a ton of points. There's not a defense in the country that can stop them. It's really the defensive side. So, I mean, they really have to figure out a way to win some of these games you know, 45 to 42 or something like that. Your thoughts going into this crucial stretch of the season? 
Yeah, it is a very much uh, intensive one. You know, going to Notre Dame, that will be maybe the toughest matchup of them all coming in this upcoming four weeks. Uh, but when you look at that Utah game, you know, there's going to be a revenge type of Utah game right there uh, between these two schools, especially what they went through last season. And, of course, in count, that's pretty much going to be, you know, pr a pretty nice yeah. game for USC to go ahead <laughs> and do their thing. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the big one would be November 4th, you know, against Washington here. That's really going to determine where they might be placed in that AP poll because you look at what's happening throughout the season so far. They opened up the season at number six. They got pushed up to number five, back to number eight, and then down to number nine right now. So yeah. looking at that, these four games right now will really push them back up to a possible number five, depending on what happens around the league as well. Um, but this will be a crucial one. And right now, I mean, that might be something I might have to talk to Alex Grinch today. You know, I'll be at practice uh, in a little bit today and seeing what Alex Grinch is kind of looking forward to possibly doing against these uh, upcoming matches and trying to kind of lower these points because it's been 69 total given up points by this defense over the last two games, which is just a large margin of points right there. And it's it's ridiculous the way the, the performance has been, but I know USC will be able to take care of that moving forward. Your thoughts on Grinch? Again, the reporters that, that I've talked to, like yourselves who cover the team, I mean, he's very accountable. He, do, he does uh, these weekly press conferences I practice. Uh, and again, his players defend him. I mean, I, I think that's, that's one of the reasons um, he wasn't, even though I think he should have been, but he wasn't on the hot seat because his, his players believe in him and they defend him and they are, are accountable for the mistakes that they make. Your thoughts on Grinch, maybe, maybe not so much the defensive coordinator, but um, it does seem like he still has the respect of his players. No, he definitely uh, he does. You know, the, the players, and even they, when they mentioned they're, the coaches are putting us in the right spots. It's it's our fault. So the mm. players are taking accountability for those mistakes. So they know that the coaches are doing their thing. And, you know, right now, USC is one of seven schools uh, that kept the same coaching staff in place from last season in college football. So it shows you that Lincoln Riley, at the end of the day, he also protected uh, Alex Grinch over the last performance. And, you know, he he has to believe the players believe in him. Uh, the, the Lincoln Riley believes in him, which is very important because if Lincoln would have been out, um, not motivated with his performances, which I'm pretty sure Riley takes some fault in that as well, because at the end of the day, he is the head coach. Um, he can make certain adjustments as well. Um, but I, I think Alex Grinch, he certainly will most likely be in in a USC program as long as Lincoln Riley will be. I don't think Riley yeah. at any given point will get rid of the man. It's crazy. I mean, they are attached to the hip. Uh, and you, you listen, just, just for the sake of him and his players, I mean, you, you hope that they uh, improve some. Because, again, uh, it, it, it's not that they're not playing well for the entirety of the game. They had a tremendous first half. In fact, they had a tremendous... Three quarters, perhaps. But when you give up to three mm -hmm. touchdowns late, that's the problem. All right, let's switch gears going on to the uh, Chargers. The Chargers defeat the Raiders uh, with 24-17. Uh, the big story, though, uh, Justin Herbert uh, fracturing uh, the finger in his non-throwing hand. I guess that's the key term there, non-throwing hand. Uh, first, let's go, go go to the game. Fredo, your, your thoughts, again, uh, you know, they really wanted to get to 2-2. Two two. You know, when you when you start the season 0-2, the goal is, hey, before the bye, before the break, let's 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 get these two wins. Let's go into to the break 2-2 two and, two and move on from there. Your thoughts on the victory on Sunday? 
I mean, it was a tremendous show out. Um, I think the victory is not upon the Chargers. It's upon Khalil Mack. Yeah. I mean, Khalil Mack, it seemed like he did not eat breakfast that morning. And he was out there ready to go eat on his former team in the Raiders. And it was it was a tremendous performance by the defense as well. The defense was missing no Joey Bosa, no Derwin James, uh, no Aleel Gilman. So they, they, were, they were down a few players. Eric Kendricks made his way back into the rotation as well. Um, and a big shout out to Asante Samuel Jr. for that terrific interception late in the game that saved um, again the Chargers in a late one. It just seemed like a deja vu moment seeing that it happened the same way in Minnesota the previous week that you look at the way they closed this game out. And Herbert did not have the performance that he had the previous week. He had a a decent performance um, capable of moving the ball in the first half because in the second half they went scoreless. That's where the trouble really went. That's yeah. what kind of gave the, the opening for the Raiders to come back into the game because they creeped up there. I kind of felt like, hey, look, if, if the Raiders were had to tie that game at the end, they would maybe have gone for the win uh, yeah. the way they had the momentum running. Like, you know, and, you know, thankfully the Chargers were able to get that victory and Staley's, uh, I don't know if he's still on that hot seat or it's cooling down <laughs> a little more, but yeah. the two victories seems like they were uh, just like USC's defense, unimpressed. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, what's the biggest thing you think they have to improve upon? Because it doesn't get any uh, you know, simpler when they come back following the break. Did they uh, play the uh, Cowboys, who are one of the best teams in the league? They, they got the uh, Ch- Chiefs as well. Uh, what's, the, what's the biggest point of emphasis? What do they have to improve on going into the break? I mean... Of course, we got to look at the defense. Uh, we we got to look at the defensive line, allowing the rushing yards. I mean, a- allowing so many yards that it's just it makes certain players look um, like superstars when they're really not. And, and that's that's one of the parts of things that the Chargers can really work on. But again, it's all about health for this team. It's always been health every single year. Thankfully, the injury with Austin Eckler is getting a lot better with the high ankle sprain. No, high ankle sprains are something that kind of keeps you off the field for four to six weeks. And um, Eckler's been out for now three, possible four and five by the time the Cowboys game comes along. Um, But uh, as well, the health of Derwin James and the health of Joey Bosa. And I mean, you got to give, I mean, Thule, Thule right now, (laughs) former USC guy. I mean, he. He is standing out big time for this defensive um, uh, group of the Chargers, man. I, I don't know how they got that steal, but Tuli is one of the guys right there. What is the reason you think that they have not been able to stay healthy? You know, the, one of the things we've talked about the Chargers is if they're healthy on paper, they're, they're, they're if not the one of the most talented teams in the league. And already, Fredo, uh, you know, week two and three, four of the season, like no Austin Eckler, no Joey Bosa. These are significant guys who go down, hamstrings, something else. Why do you think that that is? You know, you you can kind of put a little blame on the players. Maybe they're not prepping right. But, I mean, if you have a strength and conditioning coach that got to get your players in in shape in in the the best possible way starting the season, uh, getting through stretching, because when you deal with hamstrings and stuff like that, it's all about stretching. That's what they say. You got to stretch perfectly well. You cannot extend at certain moments in the day. It is very important with hamstrings when you deal with stuff like that. And Derwin James, that's a constant issue that he's been dealing with over the last four or five seasons as he's been a member of the team. And Eckler, it's, it's, you know, running back ankles, something like that. You make cuts that can happen on any given night as a running back in the league. But it's 
it's you know it's just bad luck. I mean, <laughs> this Charger organization, as much as they want to, they they want to show that they're not the same old team as they were in San Diego. It's, that kind of thing is still trailing down. I mean, we see what's going on with the Clippers. They left San Diego. They came here. Yeah. Still haven't been able to win something. So it's it's just something that carries over. It's something that you know it, it might just be within themselves. Um, but they're just not getting any luck out of that. All right, game one of the WNBA Finals uh, will be on Sunday, I believe. Yes, Sunday uh, yes. in Las Vegas. And really, Fredo, it's the matchup we all thought at the beginning of the season, the two quote-unquote super teams. It's Las Vegas Aces, New York Liberty. The interesting thing is New York's played them very well. Your thoughts on the WNBA Finals this season? Yeah, you know, I, I got a chance to see uh, these two teams multiple times here in Los Angeles as they were playing the Los Angeles Sparks. And I, I said this a few weeks ago um, that my favorites to win it is the New York Liberty. I think that Brianna Stewart as well, shout out to her for winning WNBA uh, MVP. And I think that this is going to go five games. Of course, it is a five-game series. It will go five. It will be back in Las Vegas because this team battles on. I mean, they trash talk them. Uh, they trash talk a lot, and especially when they won the the, um, the Commissioner's Cup. Liberty took that one home. So Vegas has a little bit of show, but you look at Brianna Stewart, Sabrina Inescu, and you look at the at Asia Wilson. It's just, I mean, she is... I, I don't, she she reminds me of like a Kim and Garnett style in the NBA. She's just the strength she has, the confidence she has, and how powerful she is down there below. And her size doesn't help any other player in that league right there. So she is so amazing the way she plays this game. And um, I'm surprised she didn't win the WNBA MVP there. I'm surprised. Um, maybe, you know, she was also not happy about that. So that might be an extra motivator uh, for Asia Wilson and this Vegas team to go against um, the New York Liberty. But it's going to be a very exciting NBA, uh, WNBA Finals. I had, sorry, sorry about that, Fredo, um, WNBA finals, but also it's just the beginning of the National Basketball Association, the Lakers Clippers uh, back on the court. They had their media day yesterday. Um, thoughts on these two teams, Fredo? Again, I, I think they are on paper two, two, two of the best teams in the league. It really comes down to health. Again, with the Clippers, they've just never been healthy in the postseason. Uh, they, they've not had Kawhi. They've not had Paul George. Your thoughts on the Lakers and the Clippers heading in to this season? Yeah, you know, NBA season is back. Uh, media day was a good day there. Of course, there's always a lot to talk about when you look at these players coming out for the first time, and especially the new upcomers. And the, the surprise pick, I'm very looking forward to see how it works out for the LA Lakers is Christian Wood. I mean, he was one of the late signings um, a few weeks ago. And just his addition, his size, his... He, he has a very good IQ as well because the mo the times I've seen him with Dallas, he's been very <laughs> impressive. And even when he was with the Rockets, always putting up numbers and seeing that line, seeing him with Anthony Davis is to be very good to see how it works out because Anthony Davis does not like playing the center spot. He's always wanting to be a forward. He always com he kind of complains about it all the time. And what I heard from AD yesterday during media day where he said, hey, me and Braun, We've been listening to what the Denver Nuggets have been saying, talking all about. He's like, we cannot wait for that opening day game when they when they receive the rings, and it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting matchup. But Austin Reeves as well, looking like he's it, it, 
he might be a lot better than what we saw maybe last year we didn't really see what he was capable of especially with the new roster that was put together after the deadline it's gonna be very exciting to see what the lakers can possibly do but with the la clippers this is going to be their last year at crypto.com arena before they move into their next arena and this might also be the last year with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George mm -hmm. depending if they finally blow it up or not um, but I cannot really put any believe into this team that they might do something because even they don't really I mean Kawhi and Paul George were the reason why this new rule was kind of put along for the yeah. load management situation yeah. and you know, they, it's just a, it's just a problem for them. That it's something that it's, you know, those two types of players, they be, I, I think it was more of a coaching thing with Ty Lu saying, Hey, look, we want to save our players for the playoffs. Now that they put this rule on, yeah. it's no longer saving players for the playoffs. It's the regular season matters now, especially with the new tournament they got going on with the play, uh, with the new, uh, yeah. I, what's it? The playing tournament. It's, I think the end season tournament. And again, like what, yeah. what they, what they want to do is make the regular season meaningful. They want these teams to actually care. So now if you want to win most valuable player, you have to win, you have to play at least 65 games. Games. You have the in-season tournament, which is effectively regular season games, but you got this uh, trophy at the end of the day with the uh, championship game and the semifinals being held in Las Vegas. All right, Fredo, you're the best. We'll uh, catch up with all your uh, coverage from USC practice, USC game on Saturday at U of A, uh, against U of A, which will be at the Coliseum. Uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Grant Mona when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, the MLB playoffs is upon us. Right. Uh, starting and uh, just waiting to see when the Dodgers play and who they play at this point. 
So they will play the winner of Milwaukee and Arizona, correct? Uh, Milwaukee and, yeah, and Arizona. And then Miami's playing Philadelphia. So we're kind of just seeing who the Braves and Dodgers play at That's this right. point. Is there a team, as you look at these matchups, uh, you know, who would you prefer for the Dodgers to play in game one of the National League Division Series? I would rather, honestly, play a team that you've seen before, like the Diamondbacks. Mm. The Brewers coming into this, I think there was a stat since August 1st that they have the best record in all of baseball. Um, they did lose Brandon Woodruff, who was one of their top arms to a shoulder injury. The Brewers did so that could put a dampen on things. Um, but you know, the, the Diamondbacks look, they're not an easy task either. Nobody you're going to face is going to be easy. Uh, yeah. Let's just put that out there. It's not going to be a coast through it season uh, postseason. I should say the Diamondbacks though, for the Dodgers, they've always played well against the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, even throughout the years where the Diamondbacks are actually even a little bit more formal formidable the Dodgers really handle them well and you always like to go against a in-division opponent I know last year they lost to the Padres and that's probably why the Padres beat the Dodgers is because they saw them so much they kind of knew what they had what they were going to throw and it helped them and I think for the Dodgers they've always had a good scouting report on Arizona so can Arizona do it? Yes, for sure. They have the firepower to do it. They led the NL West for a good portion of the beginning of the season for a reason. They have good yeah. talent. Um, they have a good one, too, with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. So um, they could get it done against those Brewers. I know the Brewers are playing very well, and they have a good offense, and their pitching has been pretty good. But in the playoffs, look, anything could happen. We could see the Marlins play the Braves, and we could see the Diamondbacks play the Dodgers. Like We don't know. Just like last year, it was Phillies-Padres last year in the NLCS. It could very well happen this year, but um, yeah, I, I just I think everything's up in the air right now. But I, for the Dodgers, I think they'd rather see Arizona. Your thoughts on the Dodgers going into the postseason? Um, you've been very high on the young pitchers because, again, this could have been a season where it completely unraveled because of the pitchers that they thought that they would have, whether you go down the list of Julio Urias, Dustin May, uh, Tony Gonsolin, uh, like just guys are not available. And even for a moment there, when we thought that Walker Bueller would come back and he was shut down, um, a, your thoughts on the young pitchers and B, like, would you like, to, it does seem like Dave Roberts will lean on and go with Clayton Kershaw in game one, but your thoughts on the young pitchers going in to their first ever postseason. I feel pretty good about it. And, you know, a lot of Dodger fans are a little bit worried about having, you know, such young arms going in, in, in game two and game three on the road. Um, I always thought that they were going to go the young guys first at home because they're more acclimated. You got the fans behind them. Um, but I understand the, the concept that Dave Roberts is going with. You throw your veteran game one. Um, you throw a guy that's been there and, and thrown a ton of game ones, especially in the NLDS. It makes sense. I understand. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw is not the guy that he used to be, but he's still been pretty good even yeah. off that injury. Um, his his uh, command has been really good. I know his velocity is down, but he's still a, a, a pretty good pitcher. So um, I understand that thought process. I would have gone Bobby Miller game one, Ryan Pepio game two, and then Clayton Kershaw three on the road just because you want a veteran guy on the road, especially in, in an environment. I don't know who they'll play against, but in an environment like the postseason on the road, it's different. Um, but I guess that just shows the confidence that Dave Roberts has in these young pitchers that you can throw a Ryan Pepio in game three. You can throw a Bobby Miller in a game two, even if you lose game one to have Bobby Miller go in game two is, is a big thing. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, they're going to have to rely on them. Let's let's get this straight, too. They're not going to have to, you know, they're not going to navigate this and throw all the veteran arms they can. They're going to have to throw these young arms at some point. Um, so I I have confidence in them. I think they're ready. I think they've proven, you know, over the course of the season that Bobby Miller is very ready. Uh, Ryan Pepio can get the job done. And, you know, even guys in, in long relief or piggyback roles like Emmett Sheehan and guys like Ryan Yarbrough, those guys can go and, and get the job done. So I think for the pitching staff, it is the weak link. Let's get that real, too. It is yeah. the weak link. But it is, you know, you can get through it with, with the arms that they have right now. What leads you to believe, and, and we've talked about it and perhaps even joked about it, um, if this becomes the season, you know, I mean, 11 consecutive years where they've, uh, you know, 10 of 11 where they've won the division, four straight uh, full seasons where they won 100 games. And by the way, a lot of people keep saying that. I'm like, they were on pace to win well over 100 during the 2020 season, the pandemic mm-hmm. season. Um, if this is the season where they win their first full season World Series since 1988, when when this was sort of the kick the can down the road mm-hmm. season where it was like, you know, you know, we're going to say goodbye to Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger. We're not going to make any big moves. If this is the season, why will it be the season? What has to happen? I think what has to happen, I, I think, you know, we kind of stray away from this a lot of times when we talk about really good teams is the cohesion and the chemistry. And this is why the Padres didn't really get to the playoffs this year is because they didn't have that cohesion, that chemistry. They didn't have fun. And, I you know, people have been putting out stuff that say, you oh, know, the Dodgers are having the most fun they've ever had. And, you know, they're taking tequila shots after <laughs> series wins. Um, and that just goes to show what the, that group of veterans that they brought in can do. I'm kind of most excited to see what they can do because you have a guy like Kike Hernandez who is proven to be a good postseason player, not just for the Dodgers, but for the Red Sox. You have a guy like J.D. Martinez who has always been proven to be a good postseason player, even on the Diamondbacks, even on the Red Sox. Um, Jason Hayward in that World Series run, he was pretty crucial to what the Cubs did. Um, You have guys that have been there. Lance Lynn has won a World Series already with the Cardinals. He's been to the playoffs a lot. The veterans that they brought in were proven guys that at this point, that's what they brought them in to do. So that when they get into the postseason, and this was a big if at the beginning of the season, now it's a for sure thing, that when they get in, they can mentor these young guys, mentor the young arms, the young guys that they bring up um, in the lineup. And I think that that's what's going to carry them. I don't think it's going to be the young arms you know, pr- predominantly. I just think that the, the veterans are going to help those guys a lot with the experience, with how to handle yourself, with how to handle adversity. If you go down 0-1 in a series. Damn. So I think that's what I'm most excited to see is that those veterans that you know they were kind of under the radar and now this is where they shine. So I think that's that's the main thing for me. Uh switching gears, let's talk about the Rams. Uh they 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 won, but uh, Grant, they 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 didn't make it easy. Uh taking a <laughs> 23 to nothing lead against the Colts on the road. Have to kind of squeak it out in the end. Puka Nakua, by the way, I, I I had thought for sure he had had his first touchdown of the season. He, he gets his first touchdown in walk-off fashion in overtime. Amazing. Through four games, no receiver in the history of the National Football League has had more reception and more yards. Um, listen, I... I when you when you win a game like this, uh, you don't want to keep going back to the game that they lost. But first of all, Seattle's looking like the real deal. They're, they're looking like a very good team. So for 
the Rams to go on the road and beat them in week one the way that they did. Um, impressive. Uh, San Francisco's looking like the real de- deal, if not the best team in football. You you, you play head-to-head with them, lose by touchdown. The, the one game I keep going back to, which they could have won and should have won, is Cincinnati. But those losses happen. Um your thoughts on the Rams now, again, following uh, that, that that really big win against the Colts? Yeah, I'll say this. It saved their season because, yeah. you know, if you go one and three on the yeah. year, you don't win since week one. And then you go and you play Philadelphia, who they play this Sunday at home. I know it's at home, but it'll probably be 50-50 again, yeah. Yeah. Um, Eagles, Rams fans. This kind of saved their season. And, you know, they go up 23 to nothing. You're thinking, okay, well, now they look elite. They look, their defense is flying around. The offense looks great. Then their offense kind of stalls a bit. And we saw that in that Cincinnati game, like you were mentioning. If they would have won that game, they would be three and one right now Uh with the opportunity to upset an Eagles team. So, the, the thing for me with the Rams that not a lot of people are talking about, they're kind of under the radar, which I like. I don't like the teams to be in the forefront of everything. I know Puka Nakua is doing stuff that yeah. I didn't even see. Jihei didn't see. You didn't see. Uh, we knew that he was going to be good, but he's doing stuff that I just never thought he would. But, you know, you, you, this Rams team, they haven't gotten blown out yet. So they beat the Seahawks week one. They hang tough with the Niners, who everyone thought they were going to get blown out. They lose by one score. They hang with the Bengals, who, you know, they went to the AFC. They're in the AFC playoffs almost every year with Joe Burrow. And then they beat the Colts, who were two and one, and they were looking to be three and one. They're not a bad team. So, you know, all four of the games they played, even though they have two losses, they've all been close. One score games, you know, the Rams leading, the Rams winning, whatever it may be. Some of these other two and two teams, like the Chargers, they got blown out. They have issues, turmoil here and there. The Bengals are one and three. They have issues. They got blown out by the Titans. So the Rams are in a good spot to where you can say, okay, yeah, they have two losses and they're two and two and they're only 500. But every game they've played, they could even be four and oh. I know I hate to say it, but they could have been four and oh if they just beat the Niners um, and the Bengals. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of optimism. Uh, You're going to get Cooper cut back at some point. They just activated his 21 day return window. So he may be back even this week. He's going to practice this week. That's what Sean McVay said. Matthew Stafford said he's going to play already. He was banged up in the last (laughs) game. Uh, He was walking on one leg, uh, but he said he's going to play. You're going to get a Lark Jackson back at left tackle. Things are kind of sorting themselves out in a way that they didn't last year, you know, yeah. for all the injuries and and all you know, Cam Akers drama. Now everything's kind of settling into place. Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers are excellent. So the Rams have a lot of things to look forward to. And I would not be surprised if they go and play Philadelphia and make it a close game, just like they did against the Niners. So because their offense is great and the defense is flying around. So I would not be surprised if they hang tough with the Eagles and even maybe pull off an upset. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're looking at the top two teams, perhaps in the league, or at least in the conversation, you're talking about Philadelphia and San Francisco. And to your point, the Rams had the lead in the first half. Played them close, lose by one touchdown. Uh, I, yeah, would not be surprised at all. I'd be curious what the line is for that game, uh, but it, it will be a one possession game. All right, Grant, I've been waiting for this. This is this is the, the real question: is <laughs> Clippers media day? So they're, they're finally taking the court. They are back on. By the way, the Clippers will be heading to Hawaii for a preseason game uh, against the Utah Jazz, and right here on the uh, Hawaii Sports Radio Network. You're home for the Clippers this season. We will have that covered. We will have uh, a couple of folks out there for for, for that game. Okay, what what stuck stuck out to you from Clippers Media Day? 
Uh, there was a lot of determination. You know, last year there was a lot of hype around this team, considering they were title favorites and everyone calling them, you know, they had Kawhi and PG back. You know, everything's great. Everything's happy, happy, joy, joy. After the disappointing loss in the playoffs against the Suns and after all the talk about them being injured and the load management and, you know, Kawhi not being available and Paul George not being there, I think this team really heard the noise. I really do. All of their answers that I've heard were defiant. They were ready to get after it. They were ready to prove people wrong. It was very stoic. There wasn't, you know, obviously they had a little bit of fun here and there. Um, Russell Westbrook's going into his, you know, year 16. It's his first training camp with the Clippers. I think that's going to pay huge dividends with, for them. Uh, Mason Plumley's back. He's going to be a great backup big for them. Um, you add some energy with KJ Martin, but I just think, you know, Kawhi and Paul George reiterated this is that they heard the noise. They heard how people are talking about him. I know Kawhi's not on social media, but yeah. I know that he hears things because the way he answers sure. some of these questions, it's like, you know, I, I understand what you guys are saying about my injuries, but I am not in when I'm injured, I'm not going to play, but when yeah. I'm healthy, I'm going to be out there and the best guy is going to be guarding me and I'm going to be guarding the best guy. Those are his words, not mine. So yeah. he is very determined. Um, Paul George, he already said that he's on his bully, S-H-I-T. I'm not going to say the word, but <laughs> he said that already. And, you know, these guys look determined. It's I, I said this before in, in shows in the past, is that I think this team is going to resemble that 2020-2021 team that went to the Western Conference Finals where it was all about the Lakers coming off a title. You know, a lot of people are focused on them. A lot of people are focused on the Suns. And the Clippers are just kind of waiting there in the in in back in the in the six, seven, eight seed. And you know, I, I think that that's really gonna gonna hype them up. And even Nicholas Batum said, I like this better than having all the spotlight on you because yeah. you kind of just get to be yourself and stick to who you are and to your team as opposed to the outside noise. So um, there's a lot of talk about the James Harden stuff too, but I think that this team, they've already said, we're blocking it out. We're focused on us. And um, I think it, it showed in that media day that they're, they're ready to go. So there was a fun story or a story that kind of like surprised me, but it was really cool if you're a Russell Westbrook fan, that Russell Westbrook uh, invited a lot of his teammates and inv invited the whole team to Las Vegas for a mini camp. Uh, where they worked out together, they dined together, uh, gave them each a, a brand new phone. Uh, two players uh, did not show up to this um, event. Now, one of them was out of the country, Avika Zubac. Let me know, uh, Grant, who the other player was who didn't show up. Yeah. Uh, this is just something that this is such a weird situation. I'm going to try to be as professional as possible here. Uh, you know, when Russell Westbrook says that you have a mandatory weekend getaway to Vegas to bond and get some practice time in and Evita Zubats and Nico Batum are out of the country because yeah. look, they're international players. They're out yeah. of the country. They're with family. But the one player that was in country that did not attend was Marcus Moore senior. And we all know what the situation around him is, how Clipper fans feel about him, what he said about the Clipper fans, what he said on podcasts about his role and everything. Um, and, you know, the front office, I just don't know. I mean, even at media day, it was kind of like Marcus Morris was just shoved to the side. Like, hey, he's here, but we're not going to, he wasn't at the podium. Interesting. He wasn't really featured on social media. Um, nobody really talked about him. Uh, there were a few pictures of him taking photo shoots because obviously you need media pictures, but it was kind of like they just, 
he wasn't even on the team. He was just there. Um, there was something that came out today, a video of Robert Covington and Russell Westbrook. Um, and they were kind of murmuring, oh, hey, seniors here. And Marcus Moore Sr., that's his yeah. nickname. Yeah. Hey, seniors here. And they kind of laughed. And it's just such an odd situation because there were reports of you know, turmoil within the team last year and Marcus Moore's wanting a trade and he didn't get it. So they sent him home and it just, it would make so much sense, Arash. And I've been saying this for so long yeah. to just send him home a la, you know, all these players that John Wall, you know, yeah. send him home and just find a new trade partner, find a new team for him. It just makes so much sense, not just for chemistry, but for the team. I mean, they ha already have three wings that they can insert in the lineup that are better than him. And I just think it's just such a weird situation. He was traded and then that trade was rescinded. So there's still that. I don't know what's going on with that, but it's just a really bad look when you have a mandatory weekend getaway to Vegas and he's just not there for whatever reason. Uh, I don't, I don't like it, especially for a team that wants to be as close as possible. So we'll see what happens there. I know he's been in a lot of trade talks, but at this point you're just going to have to incorporate him as best as possible. All right, Grant, let's wrap up with the uh, USC Trojans. Again, they, they go to Colorado. They, they win. Um, the defense. We've talked about the uh, defense. Yeah. It, was, it was a little bit like the Rams game, where it was, you know, they're, they're up by twenty three, and then all of a sudden you got a, a tight game. It wasn't a tight game, but it was this close. Like if they got that onside kick, I think that they would have scored a touchdown, mm -hmm. and they may have gone for two. Why the heck not? Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on USC and is there is there a way for this defense to improve under Grinch? I don't know. I don't know either. That's a good question. I yeah, wish right. I had the answer for you. Um, you know, look, when, when USC's offense is clicking like that, you always assume that they're just going to score enough points to, yeah. to beat the other team. And Colorado, like I said before, that spread was, what, 21? And they cover. I mean, they only lost by seven. Yeah. And like you said, if Colorado probably would have got the ball back, I think they would have scored and tied the game. Yeah. That's, you know, it's just that they didn't get the ball back. USC just kind of ran the clock out. So, you know, if, if USC is doing this to teams like Arizona State and Colorado, it's just, you know, I, yeah. I know people that are listening can't see me, but I'm rubbing my head because <laughs> I'm just in, in frustration yeah. because they should be beating these teams by so much more than seven or three or whatever it may be. And it's all due to that defense. I always thought that they would improve as the season goes on. And look, it, we're four games in. We're not five games in. We're not going to say that it's the end of the world. They're undefeated. I mean, yeah. Let's look at the let's look at what it is. They're undefeated. Yeah. Defeated. But the thing is, they're moving backwards. They started at fifth, they, yeah. you know, sixth, then they went to fifth, then they're eighth, now they're ninth. Yeah. And you're just going to keep finding yourself moving back because of these teams that are hanging with you when they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're always going to give the benefit of the doubt to the SEC teams, the Power Five schools that yeah. are all in, you know, the, the Southern teams because that they play better competition in conference. But this conference... USC has the opportunity, if they beat Washington, if they beat Oregon, that'll put them right back oh, on yeah. the map. They just have to recover on defense. So it's doable, sure, but is it yet? I don't know. I have to see a blowout win against Arizona for me to have any confidence moving forward. That's just how it's going to have to be. I mean, the beauty of their schedule, I guess, and, and this stretch coming up following this game on Saturday at the Coliseum against U of A, they go to South Bend to play Notre Dame. They play Utah. They play Washington. They go to Eugene. If they do what they're supposed to do, they will be in the college football playoffs. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if they win these games, they are a top four team. The question is if they can do it. And, and, and the problem that I have with them 
is that these are the same uh, um, miscues defensively that we saw a year ago. And mm-hmm. I don't know how Grinch came back, but he did. And it's like these, these things are continuing to happen. And to your point, USC will generally score enough points to win. But you're, you're really putting a lot of pressure on the offense and Caleb Williams to, to do that. Uh, Grant, you're the best. We'll uh, have you back on uh, to talk a little bit more about the Dodgers as we figure out who they're playing in the division series. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Until tomorrow, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.